place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Comics now. Well, hello there, greetings, and hi. This is Chris Latori, and you're listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue 58. Thanks so much for joining us, and please check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Sunspots Comics. Thank you to my friend Nick for the fantastic theme song. Please check out Nick's musical works at facebook.com slash popdees and Instagram at pop underscore deez. So we got a ton of stuff to cover. we got a fantastic show ahead of you. We've got comic book articles I discuss, comic books that I review and recommend to you. And just a quick thing, a couple of things before we jump in, uh, just some stuff on my nerd brain. And uh, quickly, I just wanted to point out something I'm excited about that's coming in October. I read this on Mark Millar's Twitter that him and Greg Capullo, uh, who was uh, the artist for so, so long just recently on the Batman title, are teaming up together to do a comic called Reborn. And uh, it sounds interesting. It follows the character that's 80 years old named Bonnie Black. And it's it, this is actually from him and from his Twitter. It's not heaven. It's not hell. It's just uh, maybe possibly purgatory. It has some amazing fantasy landscapes, some jaw-dropping creatures. So kind of interesting tale here of someone that is dead. Very dead. But, of course, Mark Millar has just been so successful. Everything from, from the Kingsman to Kick-Ass to Superior to... To Huck, to just to name a few, Empress right now that I'm reading that's in the top picks. So I am a big fan. He's one of my favorites right now. Uh, MillarWorld.com, check it out. But I'm very, very excited about that. I just read that recently that that is coming. So I'm super, super excited. So without further ado, actually, let's just go right now live to San Diego Comic-Con, where the president of Comic Book Affairs is actually addressing the media and about 7,000 fans about the state of the comic book union. So let's just go live right now to San Diego Comic-Con. Let's tune in. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, your president of Comic Book Affairs, Chris Latore. Please take your seats. Hello, hello, my fellow Americans. Hello, hello. Thank you for coming. Hi, Mom. How are you? Hey there, shout out to Stan Lee. How are you, buddy? Quickly, I just wanted to address some of the concerns, some of the media outrage, some of the reaction to two articles that were online from CNBC and Yahoo.com. They're basically stating that the state of comic book affairs is that paper comics are dramatically flourishing and they are on the rise, even as digital sales of comic books flourish. And our message to you here is, let's calm down that's right that's what i'm saying folks let's think back to some time in the early 1990s where there was a bubble that was created and sales of comics were increasing dramatically and so were their prices we don't want to see a comic book at six seven eight dollars per issue do we i don't so let's not get excited let's remember it's a marathon not a sprint Things like digital comic sales have been slowly, not very dramatically increasing as the years go by. And even now, I know you're all excited with the all-you-can-eat comic book subscription service from the Church of Comicsology. Well, let's not get too excited. 90% of all comic book sales are on paper. That's right. But we don't want to create a potentially inflation-related bubble that's going to just cause prices to just overnight just going to ridiculous numbers. So let's keep our heads, folks. Let's calm down. Let's not raise prices. 
And don't forget, of course, with great power comes great responsibility. Take care now. Thank you for all joining us. Yes, let's all pick up your trash, even in orderly fashion. Single file. Thank you for all coming. There you have it, folks. Fantastic words from a fantastic president. I voted for him twice. Fantastic stuff. Thank you. And just a couple of other, just a quick thing, last thing on my nerd brain is an actual book I checked out at the library called Boxers and Saints. It's from Gene Lun Yang. He's recently done some Superman writing, and he's known for a series of book that he called, uh, that's called American Born Chinese. He's multiple award-winning comic book artist and writer, and he's got a fantastic strip, comic strip sort of style, very kind of all ages with some historical background here about the Chinese Boxer Rebellion. I read through Boxers in like an hour or so, fantastic read, probably, I want to say about a 150 pages and not ton of dialogue but really well paced and, and develops this character that uh, is a, China, a young character in China that is very much against uh, Christianity coming into China and so he fights it where he feels he's imbued by these sort of operatic uh, powered sort of uh, deities and it's uh, it's interesting and it's it has some historical content here and a neat concept that these they split the book the other half of it is called Saints and it's the story and perspective of a different character of a young girl so it's uh, very interesting very well done it has a very cool kind of premise I'll review it I'm sure when I'm all done with it but I'm I just started Saints and I have to recommend it to you again it's called Boxers and Saints Jean Lun Yang so check it out good stuff. And a quick thank you to my son, Justin, for writing the Sunspots Comics blog. He just had a recent one on where about his review, his very in-depth review on Captain America 3, so check that out. He has another blog coming very soon. But please check out his blog at blog.sunspotscomics.com and check him out at JustLAKings on Instagram. Thank you, Justin. And I'm also writing a comic book called Zombie Destroyers. I'm doing the writing, the lettering, the coloring, and my friend Jordan is actually doing the art, his amazing, beautiful, fantastic, gritty art. Please check out my friend Jordan at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art on Instagram. And check out our site, Zombie Destroyers. I actually have the site. And you can see the three, four pages, uh, just sample pages of the first four pages of Zombie Destroyers. And just a little update on where we are. Him and I are working on a very ambitious two-page splash that's actually page 9 and 10 and I'm actually kind of working on rewrites on page 11 to get that finalized to him so there's just a little update on Zombie Destroyers so please check out ZombieDestroyers.com from time to time so let's jump into podcast 58 so Sunspots Comics podcast listeners up up and away here we go so first and foremost let's see this week is new comic book day June 8th and I read 19 comics and nine of them made it to the favorite pick, pick list, so just under 50%. I'm always trying to get to 50% of them being great and the other 50% being good and hopefully nothing on the bad level. So I'm only recommending the stuff that is at that great level, in case you're curious as to how I figured that out. Also, if you want to see everything I'm reading, my giant pull list of 101 comics that are on my pull list and every favorite, all my favorite picks of the weeks since May of 2015. Just go to sunspotscomics.com, check it out. Click on pull list or click on top comic books of the week and you'll see that. I just recently updated it, compacted it, and just sort of simplified it and I'm really proud of it, it looks really good. So please check out 
sunspotscomics.com. And it's not like overwhelming where there's just too much of stuff. It's light, it's easy, you can breeze through it, and I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. So check out sunspotscomics.com. And uh, this week, by the way, I always like to announce an art winner and a cover art winner. It is one in the same, and it's Stuart Eminem. And Stuart Eminem is doing the art on Empress number three, which is one of my top picks of the week, so I'll get more into it. But it is gorgeous. I have to give props to his inker, Wade Von Grabbadger, which is just gorgeous. It is sci-fi fun. It so has such like this iconic look to it. The way he does speed and the way he does the visual reference of how large these creatures are that are fighting and how he puts his characters into the foreground to really give it that perspective. I just totally dig it. And his lines are gorgeous from the emotion on the faces whereas they're they're sort of transporting to all these different planets and it's just it's full of color it's full of sort of a unique alien design and I just love looking at it. You could take any one of these pages on Empress and just cut it out and put it on a poster on the wall. It's just gorgeous gorgeous fantastic art and it's the cover is just our main character who is standing in ready to shoot you sort of form and his outfit is just green and blue and He's got this gray hair, and it's just iconic and simple, and the background is fairly sort of muted out with just black, and it just so it really pops, and I really, really enjoy it, really appreciate it. Thank you, Stuart Eminem. Your art is amazing. So he's most definitely the winner, and number ones, there was actually five number ones this week, but four of them were DC Comics rebirths, Aquaman and Flash, Wonder Woman, and the... Uh, action detective comics 934 so they're all sort of number ones and I guess the only and close to being a real number one was Judge Dredd called Dust but we'll get into that further so not really a, a super strong week of actual true number ones they were all sort of remakes reissues revamps rebirths however you want to call them so there you go so let's get into my favorites again there were nine that are on my top picks this week for a new comic book day June 8th so coming in at number nine from 2000 AD Comics, I haven't picked a Judge Dredd or even read a Judge Dredd in a really long time, but it's Judge Dredd Dust. And it's a cool mini, it's only two parts, so this is part one of two. And the writing is from Arthur Wyatt, and art by Ben Wilshire. And very gritty, very realistic style, I really dug it, the art popped immediately. When I looked at page number one of this, I said, okay, I'm in, because it shows of course, uh, the city where Judge uh, Mega, Mega City 1, where its giant wall protects them from all this radioactive dust uh, that, that can from time to time stir up and cause all kinds of problems in the city. And that's what happens right off the bat. And you're introduced, I think the reason I really dug this was you're introduced to a new mutant uh, bad guy in this named Dust. And they actually take their time really setting this character up. Doesn't have that feel of just one and done. And I like that. It really feels like they're going to establish this character as a bad guy for a while. But we'll see. Maybe at the end of 2, uh, he'll be done with. But he has, uh, Dust has that sort of Sandman from the Spider-Man series kind of powers. But their dust and their dirt in, in Mega City 1 is radiated. So it has different effects on people, etc. Don't want to spoil all of that. But kind of cool uh, premise of a bad guy. So I really dug that. And... The way they draw, uh, draw, the way that Ben is drawing Dread here is just, it's just so iconic looking, and the colors really pop. And they're investigating here. They're going back into. I like that they're, it's an ensemble piece. They're going back to forensics people and folks they know that can look at cameras and just sort of help them discover 
who this person is that's killing all of these guys. Some of them are gang members, most of them are, and they're not good people and drug dealers, but they're still hot on the trail of this guy and they really can't find him. There's a good build of where Dust is, who Dust is, why is he killing these people, and it's just a great sort of chase action comic that you just from you just can't stop like it just goes flows really well next thing you know you're you're done so it, it has a great cliffhanger at the end but they even run into this sort of mushroom farmer in the middle of the desert when they're searching for dust who is just sort of uh out of his brain out of his gourd and so it's just kind of a funny sort of just moment where they pause and you get to kind of laugh at this mushroom farmer that's trying to live in the desert uh, and yeah I guess eating mushrooms has kind of rotted his brain and, he's, and he speaks in a really twisted sort of way <laughs> kind of Yoda on mushrooms if you will <laughs> and so I really dug it I really uh, thought wow it's been a long time since I've read a dread comic I might as well take a peek and I looked at the art and it was fantastic and it's only two parts it's not like part one of 17 we have to invest a giant amount of money so it's just going to be a two-part so i wonder what's going to happen with this this brand new bad guy called dust so that's why it made my number nine and number eight reoccurring pick is brutal nature number two from idw and fantastic phenomenal art by ariel olivetti one of my favorites he was doing or still is doing he's taking a break from it looks like from venom space from Venom the uh, whatever space uh, agent and his art is so realistic the musculature is phenomenal his lines are beautiful he has some you can definitely tell that it is just painstaking amount of patience to draw what Ariel Levetti draws and that's why I'm here but this is the introduction of this creepy bad guy from the previous issue that they've called in to find our character itch each and he is of this sort of Mayan tribe or South American tribe that he puts on different masks and he becomes that animal, he becomes that spirit animal, he becomes a bear, he becomes an eagle. And there's just a cool moment where he puts the eagle mask on and he flies to the top of this mountain. And it's just, it's his power is kind of cool. And you wonder, is this a temporary thing? Does he pass it down? Is he, what is he? And that's, he's kind of mysterious, so that's why I dig about it. But he's on like a sort of a dream quest here. He's, uh, speaking of mushrooms, <laughs> and this white worm sort of swallows him and he has this sort of vision. And the vision is of the future and the vision is of, he, he talks to himself in this vision and it's just basically telling him that bad things are coming. And as this vision quest is over, you're introduced back onto the ship where his nemesis is coming. And this guy is just, the way they're writing this bad guy, he's twisted. And I think he's talking to himself. He's He's standing looking over this boat speaking to Lucian, but there's, it's just a crow. And yes, here it is. The crow is talking to him. So he's talking to himself, but also talking to this crow and the crow is talking back. So is he nuts or is he have some, is he a magician as well? Does he have powers? You're not really sure. But even these, the scenes of this, where Itch is on this dreamscape, having this, uh, this, whatever, this vision. It's beautifully drawn. It's gorgeous. And there's this tree with all these white flowers on it. And uh, it's it's moments like this I sometimes want them to be over because it's a dream sequence. But I enjoyed being here because of the because of Ariel Levetti's art. And it's gorgeous to look at. And so now we realize that our the main bad guy here, who is uh, he's sort of like a Christian crusader, if you will, but he's known for handling unique situations. He has this henchman that looks like... Conan the Barbarian. He's just giant. And he says nothing. And it's kind of interesting. 
Yeah, that's his henchman. And they call him the German. And, uh, yeah, even he is just battle-worn with scars everywhere. He reminds me of the, like, the orc or the, uh, in, in Warcraft. That look. He's just three times wider than everyone else. And he's, like, eight feet tall. He's just giant. And he's carrying everything. And he's, they're unloading the ship. But it's a sweeping sort of cool, epic drama with some interesting sort of magic, you know, weaved into it. And our bad guy wants to see the the one of the bodies that was dispatched by Itch so that he can confirm that he's definitely against something here of a spiritual nature. And I love this moment that he has with a maybe his girlfriend that Itch has with his girlfriend back in the jungle in this beautiful green forest. And he's, he's saying that he's having a difficult time with this and dealing with his powers and dealing with what he has to do here and these visions that he has of, of how much dread is coming. And she just sort of comforts him and she says, there's really no ointments or special herbs but come to me. He's, she says that I have a touch that has, your, that has your name on my hand. And it's just something sweet that she says there and the way that it's written out. And props to the writing there. It just conveys this real moment of warmth and I dug that 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 he has people and that this woman is comforting him um, and I, I just like it and it's it's definitely putting depth into our character itch and this development of the bad guy here that wants to just just kill him and how gruesome he does and some of the things that he does to lure and to find and to be on the trail of itch and what he does to some of the local villagers, including children, is just horrific. And so, a little jaw-dropping, a little surprise with what happens at the end here, so I don't want to spoil it. But check out Brutal Nature. It is phenomenal. And again, art by Ariel Olivetti is top-notch. And I guess I should give props to writing, especially to Luciano Saracino. So, fantastic. That's my number eight. And coming in at number seven from Dark Horse Comics is House of Penance, written by Peter Tomasi. Art, ridiculous Gorgeous, twisted-looking art from Ian Bertram. He kind of has this, this very, it's very dark, very sort of twisted, but also kind of artistic, not so realistic design of his characters and how the facial structure is very strange and odd, not realistic at all. But it's like looking at a very old painting from from Europe in the 1800s or something. It's just gorgeous. And Dave Stewart on colors, he really makes everything. Creepy and scary. This, I think, wins the, yeah, the sort of creepy, scary story of the week, for sure. Because everything else seems to be fun and filled with hope and a lot more adventure. This is just straight up creepy. And this actual has historical reference. This is based on Lady Winchester and how she did sort of go nuts and how she had to sort of take over the Winchester company, corporation, when her, her husband and daughter were killed. And she was, I guess, written into the will and had to take over the Winchester family. But she's building this house into a strange Salvador Dali painting where stairwells lead to nowhere or lead to openings that lead you off a cliff. And she's constantly tearing up floors and destroying mirrors, feeling that spirits are coming after her. She sees these red-like intestine tendrils everywhere, but no one else sees them. Except for her new house guest, who is this man that has been hired to, to kill Indians on reservations. He's just this murdering mercenary cowboy who she likes to hire from time to time, like uh, ex-cons or people that are on the road and put them to work. This really sort of captures their potential 
maybe relationship that Lady Winchester and our mercenary cowboy are going to have. They both see these crazy red tendrils and this is bringing it closer together that they may be some way strangely romantically involved possibly or that they're going to be pitted against each other. I kind of like that that play there. You don't you kind of wonder is our mercenary cowboy going to take this crazy lady out or is he going to fall in love with her? <laughs> And you're not quite sure. He saves her from one of those doors that leads up to a stairway that almost heads off a cliff because he wrote the letter B on it. And I love that one of the other henchmen says, what does the B on the door stand for? And he says, bad. <laughs> yeah, equals open the door, fall to your death. <laughs> but I just like what they're going with this. It's definitely unique and different. And I, I want to, when it's all done, I don't want to do it yet, but I want to Google the Lady Winchester and her true historical... Uh, some of the historical events and things she did uh, when she ran the Winchester Corporation to see how much of it is real. But yeah, this just, they have a conversation and it's awkward and scary, but it's sort of sweet that two crazy people are coming together. So that's kind of what sells it is I, I sort of hope that there's a romantic in involvement there between the two of them and maybe they get better mentally, but I just got a feeling it's probably not going to go that way, <laughs> but I kind of hope for that. But Definitely the scary issue, kind of creepy. Not too heavy in the level of horror, but definitely creepy and mind-bending. And he has this sequence where he, our mercenary cowboy, is maybe on the verge of death from a wound. And he dreams and sees the people that he's murdered in, like, purgatory. And it's dark and creepy and, and ominous in those red tendrils. But I really dig it. I enjoy it. I think it'd be a great TV series or a movie. Fantastic. House of Penance. That's why it made my number seven pick of the week. So number six is the longest title winner. <laughs> it's the DC Universe Rebirth Detective Comics 934. It definitely wins the longest title of the week. And I really dug this. Some of these rebirth issues that DC is doing, they switch artists. There's four or five artists or one artist doing the first three pages and then another artist doing from four to 17. It's just, uh, it's just kind of a mess. This has the same artist all the way through. So that's crazy that I'm excited about that, but I'm so glad that they have this artist going all the way through it because it's gorgeous. Written by James Tinney in the fourth and drawn by, his last name is Burroughs. They put the credit page on the very, very back. It's Eddie Burroughs. Not really familiar with this stuff, but it is gorgeous. This two-page opening of, and this is ultimately where Batman is gathering his sort of small bat army. And they're starting Bat Boot Camp. <laughs> and uh, the first opening two pages of this church and Azriel, who I I don't read a lot of any other titles of Batman typically, but Azriel is here and being beaten up, which looks like Batman. And there's two pages of this sort of fragmented glass breaking panels. It's just very cool to look at. It all looks like a this gorgeous piece of stained glass art with comic book ears. I would pay to have my windows done this way <laughs> but he but Azriel's getting his uh his 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 butt handed to him here and as he's just about to be killed with what looks like sort of emperor from like star wars electricity out of what looks to be batman's hands he's like almost destroyed batman comes crashing through and that character takes off and as he asks Azriel, who did this to you Azriel says you did but he's like, I just came here just like a minute ago, so like you were already getting beaten up. Maybe you're concussed. But no, he didn't say it that way, of course. But And the way he's drawn, I love that Batman has sort of 
spider-like uh, weaving into his into his cape, which looks very cool. Like it's sort of drenched with water, or the framework of the the cape in the inside is sort of web-like the way it's weaved, like the web lines on Spider-Man's outfit. It's just very cool looking. And then we've got Batwoman, which is I miss Batwoman. I loved in the '52 when it was drawn by. Uh, by this gorgeous artist that uh, name I can't remember it'll come to me in a second and it's kind of an homage to that art and it is just Williams J.H. Williams the third and it's this page of Batwoman swinging through Gotham with snow falling and she's speaking to her father who is a military man and this established her it establishes her Batwoman as Batman's most definitely like sergeant that's going to be the running this bat boot camp and they realize they're being followed by sort of a bat drone and Batman's impressed with the technology of this bat drone that it's way ahead of anything he's made. So I just like that you're, then they're traveling around gathering up the bat group. So you got Tim Drake, great as Robin, he's there. Cassandra Cain, I, I love Cassandra Cain, like volume one of Batgirl, check it out, it's fantastic. It's the origin of Batgirl and this has her now called the Orphan which I was okay with. I would have dug, I would have really liked to see her in that Batgirl outfit she had in the past where it was like the face of it was strung together with black shoelaces. I love it. It had a little bit of that Edward Scissorhand feel to it, but they didn't. She's now called the Orphan, but this is the gathering of the troops and the all of them have been doing, we're doing something and then Batman and Batwoman come in and say, hey, we're recruiting you now. We want. We need a new Bat team. It's like Batman knows there's something on the horizon that's big. He needs to gather up the troops. And then the odd one that he selects is Clayface. So I thought, okay, that's a little twist. I wasn't expecting that. I thought, uh, you know, I'll keep an open mind. Clayface, to the, to the best of my knowledge, has murdered people. He's this horrible bad guy. But he escaped Arkham to watch a movie of himself before he had the horrible accident and became Clayface. This, this movie that he was an actor in. And he seems very simple-minded and interesting choice for them to have join the bat team but okay i'll peek in i'll see what's up it was enough it was interesting enough and i thought a cool little gathering here of a group that will keep me interested i'm gonna check it out next week see how it goes or two weeks because crazy it's bi-weekly but I'm, I'm in i think from the dc rebirth and i'm only saying this now but we'll see how it goes as as time goes along i think what i'll end up probably just keep going and, and add to pull is most likely anything related to batman seems very good well written well drawn Maybe Flash, but we'll get into that because next, number five, is The Flash Rebirth, number one from DC Comics. Another one where the artist is the same artist all the way through. Thank you. I shouldn't be normally excited about that because they have been doing that with Rebirth, switching up artists. But this is drawn by the artist, has a very long name. Here you go. It's Carmine Di Giandomeniso. Menico. I'm so sorry. <laughs> His name is crazy long. He could never be like a soccer player, I think, because fitting all that there. I don't think it'd fit in a shirt. But anyway, his art is gorgeous. Written by Joshua Williamson. And this is just beautiful. It has so many nods to the Flash CW TV show. That's what I love. And the art is gorgeous. It kind of has this Bart Sears style. Look him up. Uh, in the 90s, I was a big fan of his work on Exo Man of War. So he has that sort of style, kind of a Bart Sears style. And uh, on side note, a Bart Sears, amazing. He was a teacher, uh, a professor at the, at the Kubert University, 
uh, for comic book art. He even wrote a book. I remember it. I think it was called like Drawing Pow Powerful Comics or Powerful Comic Book Drawing, something like that. But very, very cool. Bart Sears. But hats off to Mr. Giendo Meniso for his fantastic art here and the way that he does the lightning around Barry Allen. Gorgeous. But this is like sort of that rebirth number two. This definitely continues on. This establishes that uh, Barry Allen's a forensic scientist and he is visited by Wally here. So it's it's a little overlapping into the story that we already saw in Rebirth number one, but I was fine with it because of the gorgeous art. And again, they have that sort of conversation, and he uh, he sees a vision. He sees a vision of 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 Zoom, and he sees a vision that he's confused by into his past of multiple areas of his path, which basically gives him to the clue that what what Wally's about to tell him is that we've lost time. Someone has taken time from us. Maybe ten years is gone, and there's things in our memory that are gone, and we have to somehow get them back. And he reaches out and touches Wally's hand, and while he doesn't die when he was about to when he was traveling through this speed force so i love that there's so many little nods to the show there's a there's the nod to flashpoint take it or leave it uh, i kind of dug it sometimes i don't know it's a little bit of a mess but i just love this show so much the tv show that i think that's why i dug this because there's, it just has that similar feel look writing style and pace of the tv show and it's just kind of a, a, a cool thing. I don't know much about Wally West, honestly. But you could tell that they mean something to each other here. And it's like two best friends that have been reunited. It has that feel. So if you want that kind of feel in a comic, check this out. But I'm definitely going to peek in with the Flash. Going to hang with it, see where it goes. I'm definitely interested. I have been told by some folks that it, this story is kind of like they've been there, done that before. From people that are that are big Flash fans and... But, uh, but I'm going to hang in there because I didn't read a lot of Flash, so it still feels fresh to me. So that's why it made my number five. And number four from Image Comics is The Fix, written by Nick Spencer and art by Steve Lieber. And the art is gorgeous. And boy, if you like orange, pink, and red, this is the comic for you. But The Fix is this messed up story about the most horrible cops you'll ever want to read about. And this is sort of a little offshoot from the original story, which is that they're ultimately crooked cops to sell their movie deal to try to get a movie deal for their story of their lives being rotten cops so it's a little bit of that fourth wall i guess and this is where the character actually killed a, um, or had this man sent to prison i'm not killed um falsely accused a decent cop a good cop and sent him sentenced him to prison so he could take that cop's uh, beat. He could take his job, which was protecting a young female pop star. And this sort of first starts the sort of how a pop star is made. It's kind of like the Britney Spears, uh, you know, documentary here of her life and how they post pictures of her online as a baby and then in beauty uh, uh, shows and contests. And they have her on like a sort of Nickelodeon show. <laughs> And it just the, how they brought her have, to make her famous and to make her an online sensation and, and made her sort of a pop star from basically the, the TMZ and social media and Kardashian-like sort of fame, rise to fame. And it's a little sad in a way. They show this little girl that's, you know, now she's on, on drugs and drinking and pills and doing outrageous things in public. And uh, you you're, you're kind of feel, I, I felt a little bad for her. 
and this cop that's just sort of observing this, who's this crooked cop, and he actually feels sorry for her, and I guess it grounds the characters on a little bit of a little bit of a proper morality, if you will. And as he's talking to his partner in this restaurant, there's a scene, I don't want to spoil this for you, but there's a scene where he's talking to his friend in a restaurant, and there's kind of a, a jaw-dropping thing that happens as they're just sitting talking about their their devious, dastardly plans for the future, these two horrible cops. So, <laughs> check it out. And then you just see this, a day in the life here of this pop star and how she lists out the rules. I thought it was crazy how she says, you know, uh, rule number one, you can't uh, accidentally brush any uh, parts of my body. <laughs> and your job primarily is to know the difference between potential agents and pedophiles. And he said, and, and she's like, and sometimes they're both the same. <laughs> they're both the same person. So it just paints this horrible picture of the music industry and paparazzi, etc. And even this uh, scene where she, her ex-boyfriend or boyfriend is with another girl and she, they have this scene and she causes sort of a ruckus and when she gets back into the car with our dirty cop, it's mostly just acting and she informs him, yeah, that's part of what she has to do with this media machine that she feeds. And it's just sort of more sadness there. But what happens to this girl? Like, ultimately he's waiting for the right moment to pitch his screenplay to her and he does have that moment which doesn't go really well but boy the surprise ending here of what happens to this girl and this the dirty cop here i didn't see it coming totally surprised so check out the fix it's it's making a lot of noise people are really happy with it really enjoying it but it's a messed up kind of comic about dirty cops make a great like sort of rated r movie i could see it uh, action comedy, you know, messed up sort of thing. Where you, I, I'm feeling we're gonna maybe eventually root for these bad guys, but I don't feel that. It's just sort of interesting in this world that they that they live in, and that's why I'm digging it. And and it has a definite twist here at the end, and has some jaw dropping, you know, cliffhangers. So if you're into that, check out the fix. Absolutely. So top three. Here we go. These are the top three comic books for a new comic book day, June eighth. Coming in number three is Empress, number three. This is the art winner and the art cover winner by Stuart Eminent, gorgeous. Of course, big fan of the writer, Mark Millar. And this is his uh, ode to sci-fi, and it's just beautiful science fiction. There, I mean, they're on so many different planets in this. Like, he has this this uh, this guy with them that's uh, kind of a, he's like a midget, and he or a, sh a short person, uh, or whatever the proper terminology is, I apologize. And he uh, <laughs> he is um, has a, a like a time a, like a a device that allows them to just transport to other planets like in, a, in, a, in an instant. It's helping them travel throughout, but there are limitations to it, and it's crazy. They're they're first in immediate peril because of this giant snow monster that's attacking them because they transported to this planet where this giant snow beast is chasing after them with these crazy teeth and it's just this fantastic action sequence it's so much fun you just don't want this to end and they're running and there's ice involved there's frozen water and there and the queen and her three kids and our main character are just running for it and it's uh and i want to say the main character's name is dane which if i remember is i think his name which is cool the rest of them is the queen and their kids i can't remember their name names but uh yeah, it's, uh, I know one of their kids' name is Puck. <laughs> I like that. I'm being a hockey fan. But anyway, 
Um, so you just get to see all these different worlds. They, they, they pop into this world where they're just in the ocean and there's these crazy looking sea creatures there and then this jungle-like uh, planet and they're just going from all these different sort of climates and they jump pop into the middle of this war and they're firing and shooting and it's just non-stop action adventure and I really really dug that and there's also a few moments where they slow down like when the teenage daughter said like why are you doing this do you hate our dad so much who is King Morax I think is his name and is he really that horrible? Is he really that that miserable of a person? And the mother's sort of like doing that that they divorce sort of thing where she's like, look, you're, maybe your dad's not that bad, but we just grew apart from each other and I can't just leave him. He'll want us executed. But the daughter asks the mother, please promise me that the reason we're doing this is not for Dane. Like she has that moment where, you know, she's loyal to her father and she doesn't want a stepdad <laughs> and I just thought that was kind of a a cut in like a real sort of moment there where you have all this fun sci-fi action going on but then they kind of slowed it down and have kind of a moment of relationship there and a mother dealing with you know a divorce and leaving and separating from their father and the and the teenage daughter is having issues with that and it was just a, a compact little moment filled with very complex sort of emotional dealings so i really dug that but it's just a phenomenal ride and it's only going to be seven issues i remember yeah it's going to be seven i don't want this to end the art by Stuart eminent is just so good that's why it's my number three and it's just so much sci-fi fun so if you like sci-fi you love beautiful art just buy this immediately but number two is from marvel comics daredevil number eight it's written by charles soule and I think the, he, the artist here is just a visiting artist, if I remember, but it's Goran Sudzuka. And I gotta tell you, when I first see that there is a guest artist on a book, whereas the primary artist has taken a break, I initially go, uh-oh, and you know what? I quickly forgot that this is a guest artist. He kept it within that same theme of the prior artist, which is fantastic, so it's not so jarring. Or sometimes even jarring works, depending on the artistic way that the artist goes about doing it but this is very cool this is a sort of uh, like a moment uh, in time where daredevil takes off to macau to be involved in this in this texas hold'em poker game where he's ultimately trying to find out some information on on electra's kid and maybe who did this to electra but ultimately he's after a well potential mutant maybe called mr apex and this uh, mutant was, Mr. Apex was out there stealing from casinos and such on the road. And I think he wanted two parts. He wanted some information on what Mr. Apex was doing. And then B, maybe find out more information about why someone made Elektra believe she had a daughter, which she didn't. But this is cool. I love this opening sequence where there's this, this poker table. And Daredevil is, is he doesn't, no one knows that he's blind. But he's trying to read the room with just his daredevil senses and it's interesting how he goes about that using his extrasensory set you know senses that he has but at the same time he's reading the room but he's also kind of embracing luck here and he's like i'm just gonna go for it and just i'm just gonna go all in and see what happens he is sort of he can't even count the cards or read the cards because they put like a special protectant on them so people aren't swapping cards or damaging them or folding them so he can't use his special finger sense ability to read what the cards are. So he's sort of just 
throws caution to the wind here and goes with a little bit of luck and kind of just we'll see what happens. And uh, as, he, as he wins the first round, he takes a break and this beautiful woman is, of course, talking to him and sort of she doesn't and unwillingly uh, she just sort of gives him some clues as to where Mr. Apex is and when he's coming in. And she kind of tips off that maybe Mr. Apex has some sort of special ability and and Matt Murdock is like, yeah, I already know. Because he, he showed, they show flashback quickly into a man that he sort of beat up for information. Like a CI he had to go to and beat up information about where Mr. Apex is. And so Mr. Apex sits at the table. This is kind of the coolest part and I won't give you every detail. But Mr. Apex is a mutant that can sort of read minds. But his way that he reads minds is by seeing through the eyes of his people that he's playing cards against. And Daredevil knows this and he says, well, good luck with that. And they show what... The perspective of Daredevil through his eyes, and of course, you he can't see any cards or anyone around him. So Mr. Apex is freaking out and attempts to sort of enter into Matt Murdock's brain. And the way they sort of have this fight in Matt's brain is Matt talks about how Stick and how other Avengers and people in the Marvel Universe have helped him deal with uh, people, mutants that are have psychic ability or try to take over his mind. And he's actually had some training in that regards to protect himself, you know, like he's wearing Magneto's helmet without needing a helmet, it's because of his senses. But they, they're fighting in this, in sort of in their mind, on, a, on an awesome uh, snowy mountain, where they're going at each other with swords, and Matt has just a cane, and they're fighting Mr. Apex and Matt, and he's not in the Daredevil suit, actually, I think he's, not, he's barely in the Daredevil suit, except for that one little flashback, where he's uh, interrogating a CI. And yeah, Matt's taking cuts and and he's hitting the guy with his 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 stick and ultimately this sort of uh, it goes to blows where Matt is in his father's gym. So it kind of ties in the past there. I I just like that. I really really dug this this episode. It feels like kind of a one and done, but I really really enjoyed this. It's a standalone comic. There's a twist at the end as to who Daredevil meets, and I'm excited about that as well. But just very cool. Has this sort of I don't know, like an Ocean's Eleven heist feel to it, or uh, the James Bond movie where he's uh, mostly just playing at a poker table. The name of that James Bond movie escapes me, but you know which one I'm talking about. It just has that cool feel to it of them in a casino and him using his senses, and I just liked it. It was just was well written and well drawn. Hats off on both sides. That's why it was like almost a number one pick for me, but definitely a solid number two was Daredevil number eight. So grab that immediately. Man, it's been consistent and solid and just a fantastic read Daredevil has been. One of my favorite superhero comics right now altogether is just uh, Daredevil. Loving it. Hats off Charles Soule on the writing. But the number one comic book this week for New Comic Book Day, June 8th, and it's crazy that I'm picking this, but not so crazy, uh, is Grizzly Shark versus Sea Bear. <laughs> And uh, it's the three of three, it's the final. And I can't tell you how much this comic just like filled me with joy and laughter. And it just made me happy, so it easily wins. I read it like three times. Each time I read it, I still laughed at certain moments. It's extremely rare that a comic like makes me like hard smile, like through the entire comic book. Your fa My face was just ingrained in that heavy smile, like I'd just been given like a dose of like Joker toxin. But. Even the art style uh, here by um, by Ryan Otley, who does the story, the art, the letters, um, his style, it reminds me or is a nod to 
like Chuck Jones that, that did Bugs Bunny, the early, early Bugs Bunny, not 70s, 80s, but like 50s, 40s, 50s, Bugs Bunny, for having this just ridiculous grin and smile. And ultimately, this is just like animal carnal violence. <laughs> it's, it's a shark versus a, a sea bear. And the way he dispatches people that are just kind of not the coolest people at the beginning part. Like there's a part where she's texting and driving and then flirting with a guy in the car next to her and he's texting and driving and then they hit this giant boulder in the middle of the street. <laughs> like it's all just so ridiculous. <laughs> but it's so much fun. Like there's no way that a movie or a TV show or any other form of media could relay this kind of story and maybe a cartoon but the comedic timing here and the facial expressions that that smirky smile like i said chuck's chuck jones style smirky smile i remember there was a, a, a bugs bunny cartoon where bugs bunny and like a sheepdog would like check in every single day and sort of battle against each other and it has that look that sh this this one other character in this next scene where he's texting and driving everyone's texting and driving but then immediately being killed <laughs> and he's like reading this very long text for a long period of time this just random guy is in his car and of course he's driving a bus full of people <laughs> and and uh as he's reading this ridiculous text which you have to it's hilarious just in, in context you have to read it they slam into another of the same boulder in the middle of the street which strange to never explain why there's a boulder in the middle of the street and all like 25 people go flying out of their windows in this bus and are immediately through the air. Flying through the air is just a dozen grizzly sharks. <laughs> they never explain why the, how, why these sharks move through the land, where they came from, what their origin was. It doesn't matter. It's just hilarious. The next page is just 20 people on the left, 20 people on the right flying through the air as <laughs> these grizzly sharks just take each one of them out one at a time. It's just... It's just hilarious, the timing. And so you have like our main sort of focus around these characters of there is a young man who had his whole half of his body eaten. There's this crazy little psycho baby. And uh, that was, I don't want to spoil it, but you'll see the, in issue two how the little psycho baby comes to be. And then there's a sort of the henchman that's a very large kind of dopey guy that is very simple but very super strong and can punch the sharks in the nose and then this sort of scientist lady uh which uh <laughs> you uh you know she's the sort of smart sort of morally uh, adjustable she's a decent human being so you know in this premise she's just not gonna make it maybe she won't maybe she will i don't know you'll have to read it but oh my gosh there's this sheriff that was escorting them that was kind of a jerky douche guy and yeah, when he heads over the cliff in this scene and there's a shark that just out of a tree comes after him down to both of their death but gets the chomp before the, he falls into the rocks is just hilarious. Oh my gosh. And you have to see it. And at one point, they're using the crazy baby as bait for these sharks and how he <laughs> they battle them is just fantastic. And there's a two-page splash that I shared on Instagram Check it out at Sunspots Comics. Definitely. I'm going to start that up as of now. My favorite two-page splashes of the week. And this was in this comic, Grizzly Shark versus Sea Bear, where they're holding a tree branch. Tied to the end of the tree branch is a young baby with blood in his face, and his eyes have this crazy look in them, bloodshot red. And they're 
being chased by about 30 giant sharks with their mouth open and these menacing looking teeth. <laughs> and they're using him to try to drive all these sharks off a cliff. And as they fall into the water, you think, okay, now they're really in trouble because you got sharks in the water. Well, no. The sharks drowned? <laughs> it's just like nuts, ridiculous. I wonder if they're ever going to go to an origin of this or see some crazy secret lab and shows how they move on the ground with just their... They're not sharks with arms and legs. They're just regular sharks with fins, dorsal fins, etc. Yet they move through the forest and through the jungle. And then there's an epic battle here between a bear that just comes out of the ocean, uh, an ocean-breathing grizzly bear or sea bear, and our grizzly shark. And it is gruesome and it is amazing and it's bloody and gory. And the way he makes... Uh, there's a scene where there's like this father and son in a boat and they happen to land on the boat. The exchange here is hilarious. You just have to have to read it. The comedic timing here is just out of this world. And to show this shark like flying through the air with, with blood in its mouth, smiling, it just fills me with a massive amount of joy. I can't even explain it. I don't know what it is. But overall, it was just easily my pick of the week just because of the happiness that it gave me. And it's a great series I could read again and again and again. And then there's a, uh, by Scotty Young, there's like a well, it's, it's just meant to be a pinup page at the very end of the comic, but it actually kind of fits into the storyline, and Scotty Young writes a little commentary on this series, and I want that Scotty Young piece of art uh, in my life, in <laughs> on the wall, in a framed or something, because it's gorgeous. Interesting, though, how it ties up the end, though, but... You just have to see this. You just have to trust me. It's a lot of fun. It's violent. It's gory. Yes, it's within the realm of like Sharknado or something nuts like that or B sort of shark movies, but but better than all of that. <laughs> to me, the, the top, the creme de la creme, the top of the heap right here is Grizzly Shark versus Sea Bear. It was just so much fun. It just made me happy, and so that's why it won. But anyway, those are my nine comic book picks of the week. I definitely recommend you go to a local comic book shop. You buy these on paper. Buy them immediately. They're worth your money. They're so, so, so good. And to see all my past picks of the of the weeks and all of my comic books on my pull list, go to sunspotscomics.com and just click on top comic books of the week and click on pull list. You'll see everything that I've done in the past. And please, please, please tune in next week. Actually, uh, next week I'll be reading 17 comics, but there is like five new number ones next week so potentially 23 comics next week it's gonna be a big week absolutely huge 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 and also if you uh, write me at chris at sunspotscomics.com and i pick your email and talk about it on the show i will send you a free comic book prize so just write in chris at sunspotscomics.com so thank you so much for listening i hope you had fun i hope you enjoyed my comic book recommendations go get them immediately and please, of course, don't ever forget to be like water, my friends. That's right. Be like water. Bye-bye. If you're looking for a place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Where look no further friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow Sunspots Comics now